It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. You are Locked On Magic, your daily podcast on the Orlando Magic, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And you are indeed Locked On Magic. Today is March 7th, 2019. My name is Philip Rostenreich. I'm the expert and site editor over at orlandomagicdaily.com. And of course, follow me on Twitter at R underscore OMD. On today's episode, we'll do some house cleaning, discuss some, some news items that are going on around the Orlando Magic. Nothing too major there. Um, But we'll also talk a little bit more about the inconsistency the Magic have played with since the All-Star break and and how that's hampered the Magic, obviously, as as they're trying to make the playoffs. But get to the heart of what's what's with this inconsistency that the Magic are playing and and break down some of the numbers that have existed since the All-Star break that, that have changed the Magic and kind of seen them turn back into a pumpkin a little bit. But, of course, plenty of time to fix things and and, uh, a lot of reason for optimism. I'll explain a little bit of that coming up on today's show. But before we do any of that, I want to remind you all that you can check out all the great podcasts on the Locked On Podcast Network. You can find that on iTunes by searching for Locked On and the team you're looking for. Looking to get the lowdown on the big battle in the Eastern Conference between the Charlotte Hornets and Miami Heat, you can check out Locked On Hornets and Locked On Heat. They both do a great job covering their teams and discussing their teams with the same detail you expect from me with the Orlando Magic. The Heat, of course, beating the Hornets to take the eighth spot in the East for the moment. Uh, a game over the Magic and the Hornets for now. Um, you can also check out Locked On Mavericks to get the lowdown on the Dallas Mavericks as Dallas dropped a game to Washington on Wednesday night. And you can check out Locked On NBA and Locked On Fantasy Basketball for your fantasy and national basketball needs. You can find that all on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, all the fun places to download podcasts through your podcast enabled listening device by searching for Locked On and the team you're looking for. The Locked On Podcast Network, it's your team every day. Like I said, there's a few news items to clean up here that that, that I haven't been able to get to that, that deserve at least a little bit of mention, a little discussion, and a little uh, just a clarification as well. First, uh, the Lakeland Magic are indeed changing their name to the Lakeland Swans. It appears, though, it is just for one game on March 22nd against Raptors 905. Uh, nickname got a little bit of blowback. Um, I don't see why it should. I mean, uh, the swan to Orlando is a very special animal. It's it's the uh, the 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 paddle the paddle boats out on Lake Eola, but to Lakeland the swan means a whole lot more too. Uh, Lakeland is dubbed the Swan City, and so it is good to see the team nicknamed something that uh, represents the city and has meaning to the city. I'm sure Lakeland residents are really excited because after all, the team name is more for them and it's more for what represents them. And and I think a lot of people were a little weirded out or a little confused as to why they were nicknamed the Magic to begin with because um, obviously there was a naming contest and and it seemed pretty derivative and silly that they would just pick the name of the parent team. But the Lakeland Swans will take the court one time March 22nd uh, in new uniforms and a new logo. All the info's on the Lakeland Magic's website. Just check it out. Uh, I think you can actually type in lakelandswans.com and it'll take you to the Lakeland Magic's website. That's lakeland.gleague.com as well. If you're looking for more info, the Lakeland Magic having a fantastic season. 
Uh, last I checked, they were first place in the Eastern Conference in the G League. They're certainly going to be in the playoffs, barring an absolute collapse because the Magic kept Emil Jefferson and Troy Copain on the roster too long. Uh, but otherwise, uh, it has been a really strong season for the Lakeland Magic. A lot to be proud of over there, uh, over west of us here on I-4. The next item to get to then is a report from Josh Robbins of The Athletic, which I think I'll talk a little bit more about in, in more detail um, because I do have some thoughts on this. But uh, a big, big uh, little piece a, a little piece of news, but a big piece of news nonetheless, that the Magic, according to Josh Robbins of The, of, of the Athletic and his discussions with Magic COO Alex Martins, the Magic are exploring ways to upgrade their practice facility. And that may include building an entirely new facility. You may not care. You may not notice. You may not know that the Amway Center is not just the arena for the Orlando Magic, but it also has a practice court. It is essentially the Magic's home base. They use one locker room. Their home base is the Amway Center. Everything that the Magic do from the basketball operations department originates from within the Amway Center. That includes Jeff Weltman's office and Alex Martin's office. Um, a, a lo- really the only thing that's still located out in RDV Sportsplex aside from Magic Gaming is uh, ticket sales and, and a lot of the business side still still operates out of RDV Sportsplex. And that's going to be changing with the entertainment complex eventually getting built when the Magic will move all their offices to uh, downtown Orlando. What I find interesting about this is that the Magic would not be able to expand their practice facility very much. Um, if they wanted to, say, build a second quarter or, or expand um, their practice facility, they would have to build an entirely new complex. And that would be, uh, finding a space near the Amway Center to do that would be exceedingly difficult. It's not like Indiana where there's a vacant lot uh, across the street from Bankers Life Fieldhouse that they could build a new practice facility or Milwaukee that built one close to their new new, new arena at the Pfizer Forum. Um, it, it would be a little trickier to do that. Um, I do know that that Jeff Weltman, as part of uh, his kind of remaking of the Magic's basketball operations, did invest a significant uh, amount of time, and and as is actually one of Becky Bonner's responsibilities uh, when when she first uh, took over, as, as one of the many things that she has her hands in within the front office, um, was to kind of reorganize and redesign the Magic's facility. Uh, you know, you don't really see a lot of these changes. Um, that the basketball court's still the same. I'm, I'm sure they redid the weight room a little bit, uh, tweaked some things there. I'm sure they redid the medical facility a little bit. I know they tweaked some things there. They tweaked the video room where they watch tape. Um, it, it There are a lot of things that went into it, and the Magic did invest some money and, and did invest some time to remake the inside of the Amway Center. What's, what's interesting, and, and if you haven't read it, definitely read Josh Robbins' article on The Athletic about this this growing arms race for the uh, for facilities in the NBA, it's it's just like college football and basketball and all that stuff. Um, it, it's becoming a, a major recruiting tool and certainly an advantage that a lot of teams want to have. And you know, it's he, he I think he laid it out really well. When when the Magic first built the Amway Center, it was the model. It was the state of the art thing that everyone modeled their facilities after since. Um, it's not that it's obsolete. I think the Amway Center is still very good. And and in fact, Robbins quotes Evan Fournier to say really. The only thing that he would complain about, and it's not really big enough to really big enough to to, to mention or, or be too crazy about, is they could use two courts, and they only have one court currently in the in the Amway Center practice in the Advent Health practice facility, um, just rebranded that, um, attached to the Amway Center. But um, 
it's not that the Amway Center is is obsolete by any means, but yes, this is a competition. You're trying to compete with other teams. The Magic are eventually going to chase after free agents, and the practice facility have where you go to work uh, is going to be something that will entice teams or not. Um, I do think that it is imperative to have it close to the Amway Center, uh, to have it close by to where you play games. I think I'm honestly a little surprised that the trend of building the practice facilities within arenas is dying is dying off a little bit. Um, you know, you don't want a situation like you have maybe with the Minnesota Timberwolves before their new practice facility opened up, where you're you know practicing essentially in a gym that that regular people use. Um, I remember. I remember, I know that the Timberwolves used to practice at a lifetime fitness that was attached to the Target Center, and that that was not ideal. Neither was the Magic practicing, though, at RDV Sportsplex when they did, you know, when you're, you know, got a locker room in Maitland and then a locker room at the Amway Center. I I still think the in-arena model is probably best, but then again, that's my outsider's perspective. I don't know what players prefer. I'm sure they prefer a bigger weight room or more space or or whatever the case may be. It doesn't seem like it's that huge of an issue. But then again, I think a lot of the stuff that goes on within these basketball uh, facilities, we don't see as fans. Um, and so it is interesting to note then that the Magic and Alex Martins are exploring ways to improve their facility. And and you always should be, and you always should be willing to invest and, and, and get the latest and greatest and all that stuff. But it is interesting to see that the Magic are considering perhaps building a new facility elsewhere. They wouldn't get rid of the current facility, but they would be building a new one for most of their practices and, and, all, and all that stuff. Um, but it, 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 nothing's finalized. It doesn't seem like anything's finalized. Again, I would highly suggest you go read Josh Robbins on The Athletic. He, he did a really good job uh, researching uh, the, the current arms race and, and talking about uh, what's really changed around the league in this front. And, and again, every little thing matters is trying to squeeze out every bit of performance and comfort from the players. The big news, though, that came out this week that's worth noting and discussing just for a little bit well, Steve Clifford went on the Sirius XM NBA rate, NBA show and told um, told the host there that it does not seem likely Markel Fultz will return to action this year. Um, it, the, the exact quote from Clifford was, quote, I don't think so. He's still actually rehabbing his shoulder. He's not even able to really do much on the floor yet. It's a pretty significant shoulder injury, and I would say he is starting to do a little bit, but it would be very difficult for him to get back this year. Clifford went on to clarify those comments Tuesday, saying, you know, he may have spoken a little bit out of turn. He's not 100% sure where Fultz is in his in his recovery, but the main goal right now is to get Fultz 100%, get him 100% comfortable on the floor, feeling healthy. His health is the priority. Uh, and so it's highly unlikely, but not impossible, that Fultz will rejoin the team at some point this year. And of course, they were in Philadelphia on Tuesday. Uh, Brett Brown also had some very kind words to say about Markel Fultz and and was you know said he was cheering for him to to get over this injury and and become the player that everyone knows that he can become. That is all to say none of this is surprising. Um, I think I've I said when when they when they acquired him, although I, I'd heard some things that that he might be closer than than it appeared. Um, it it, it does it, it's number one most important that that Markel Fultz gets healthy that he has confidence, that he believes in his health, that he believes in, in his body and, his, and, and, and being physical and taking hits and doing all that stuff before you throw him onto the court. And, you know, when the Magic acquired him, especially considering where they were in the season, the only way that I saw Fultz getting on the court 
this year was if the Magic completely flamed out, were out of the playoff race, and had no chance to recover. And then maybe you throw him out there for a few games like he did Terrence Ross last year. As much as the Magic have started to fade, have struggled a little bit of late, they're not fading. They're not going away. They should still be in the playoff race, and they should still have every opportunity to play meaningful games. And I just think for a guy like Markel Fultz, that is the absolute wrong situation to parachute into considering he hasn't played since November. And yeah, he's got well-documented confidence issues. I think one of the issues that he faced at Philadelphia, and I've said this on a few radio appearances when I've talked about him, one of the issues that he faced in Philadelphia was I think he was put in a situation where it was demanded that he perform and perform at a high level. He was relied on to do a lot of a lot of things for a playoff caliber team. The pressure was, and it, it wasn't a good fit for him anyway, but uh, the pressure was squarely on him to live up to the trade that happened, the, the draft selection that he was, and the playoff pressure. And, and I think that just, especially considering Fultz was nursing this injury and, and it was misdiagnosed a few times and just it, it wasn't healing or treated properly, um, it, I think that that all... Uh, dovetailed to cause a lot of the problems that Fultz had in Philadelphia. It's nobody's fault. Philadelphia absolutely should be should have been trying to win. They should have been trying to do all the things they did. Maybe they pushed Fultz a little bit too hard. Maybe Fultz pushed himself a little too hard. Um, and again, it, as Fultz said during the intro, introductory press conference a few weeks ago, or about a month ago now, um, thoracic outlet syndrome is very difficult to diagnose. Um, and so it is... It is certainly smart, I think, on the Magic's part to say, to, to say, take your time. We're in the playoff hunt. We're, we're doing all we can. Um, you know, but you need to take care of you. You are a long-term play. He was not a play to be on the court this year. I don't think the Magic acquired him thinking, we're going to definitely play him this year. It might be nice if they could, but that wasn't the idea. This was a long-term play to bring in a very talented player for a for the foreseeable future uh, and to be part of this team's future. That can come later. And so I, I think it is, uh, again, this wasn't unexpected that, that Fultz was essentially ruled out for the season. He, is, he hasn't been ruled out for the season, let me make that clear. Um, but it, it does sound like he's still a little ways away, that, that, that he hasn't quite taken on basketball activities yet in, in a serious manner. He's not yet ready to play. And again, with just five, six weeks left in the season, it'd be tough to parachute him in to this scenario and this team right now. Uh, so again, no surprises on that front. Um, it is, I think this was to be expected, that Fultz would would take his time, that the Magic would give him his time, and that it would be a little bit before he jumped back into the fold and onto the team. So again, no surprise. You know, Clifford may have spoken a little bit out of turn or, or a little bit too far to say, that he's officially out for the year or that, that that they don't anticipate that he'll join the team. But um, it certainly seems like Fultz has still got some work to do uh, on his rehab. It's it's going to be something, I think, as Clifford has said, uh, that that he's going to have to maintain and, and watch out for and, and and be diligent about for the rest of his career. Um, you know, I don't, I don't know if this is something that goes away, but he is going through his rehab process in Los Angeles. He is uh, putting in the work uh, as far as we can tell. And we'll see if he eventually makes his way to Orlando before the end of the season, at least to practice and observe. Um, if not, then, you know, to, to be ready to play uh, and, and get his work in this summer. Uh, you know, maybe play summer league, maybe not. 
um, but see what he can do when it comes to training camp in September. He's got lots of time, and I'm sure he's putting his work in, and I'm sure he's trying to get himself healthy. And, and of course, that is what is the number one priority. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late-season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So then let's turn to this season and turn to where the magic are at. There are, are several things that, that, that have kind of happened since the All-Star break. One, the Magic have played a very tricky schedule. They played seven games in 11 days. There was no more than one day of rest between any game that they played since the Chicago game against the Bulls, if I'm not mistaken. It has been a constant grind, and, and it's the NBA season. It's not an excuse. The Magic lost the teams they should beat. They, they, even the Philadelphia game, they let that one slip away. They can point to themselves as to why they're losing these games. But undoubtedly, fatigue is a factor, and Orlando hasn't really had a chance to take a breath and get themselves back under control. Then again, this has been the struggle of the season. I think even Steve Clifford says it this way too. That the whole point, the whole crux of the NBA, the whole battle of the NBA, is to bring this, the same consistent effort every single night. To be the same team on your worst day that you are on your best day. To make your average something that you can hit without thinking. And I mean, that's that's relative, of course. That's not quite what I mean, but to do the same things every day. So if your shots aren't falling, you got your defense to lean back on. That was really the key to the Magic success. That was really what got Orlando back into this playoff race. And it's going to be what eventually gets them back in later. I think it's a good thing. The Magic have had some practices, but I think they've been limited a little bit because of the grind of the schedule since the All-Star break. Now they had Wednesday off coming off the road trip, and I think that was the right move by Clifford. Thursday they'll have a practice, and I think they'll get back into it to tighten up their defense. Because to me, that has been the biggest key for the Magic since the All-Star break. Orlando's defense has not come to play in the way that they need to play. The reality is this is a defensive team. Orlando has a top 10 defense in the league. They're one of the best defensive teams in the league, and we can say that objectively. That's not a subjective statement. They are one of the best defenses in the league. But since the All-Star break, while they still rank pretty highly among NBA teams, there's been some definite slippage. 
the Magic's defense has really struggled in some serious ways. Since the All-Star break, the Magic have a 108.0 defensive rating. That's still top 10 in the league since the All-Star break. So it's not like Orlando is falling off a cliff. But among that group, their last three games, they've given up more than 112 points per 100 possessions. They haven't given up more than 110 points per 100 possessions in consecutive games since February 5th and 7th against the Oklahoma City Thunder and the Minnesota Timberwolves. They do not have bad defensive performances back-to-back. And for the last three games, they have. Against against Indiana, they gave up a lot of points. It was a strange game because two good defensive teams did not play defense that game. And Orlando needed Nikola Vucevic just to keep him afloat and keep him in it until Terrence Ross could go supernova. Against Cleveland, the Cavaliers just paraded into the lane. There was no resistance on the perimeter to their dribble penetration. And Orlando deservedly got beat. Eventually, Cleveland's three-point shots fell, and that was game. And of course, against Philadelphia, the Magic lost track of three-point shooters throughout the game. J.J. Redick went off. Jimmy Butler eventually went off. Tobias Harris had a strong game. Orlando was playing catch-up defensively all game. But I would note two things about... I would note one important thing about all those games. The Magic didn't start competing and playing at a high level and give themselves a chance to win those games until their defense locked in. It was defense in the fourth quarter that really won the Magic that game, besides Terrence Ross going crazy. Terrence Ross going 16 points is why they eventually won the game, but that defense gave them that opportunity. Against Cleveland in the third quarter with Orlando trailing by double digits, the Magic took the lead back and seemed to have control and ready to pull away from that game because of the defensive efforts of Aaron Gordon, Wessa Wundu, Kem Birch, and the like. The Magic's defense was the reason Orlando had a chance to win that game or seemed like they were going to win that game for a while. And then, of course, against Philadelphia, it was the defensive effort in the fourth quarter especially, giving up only 20 points in the fourth, that allowed Orlando to quickly erase a double-digit deficit and give themselves a chance to win the game. Orlando's defense is really good when it wants to be. And right now, the Magic just for some reason, cannot reach into that reserve and be the defensive team we know they can be. That may not have been a problem during the win streak before the All-Star break. Because at that time, the Magic's offense was playing very well as one of the best teams in the league. That's starting to dry up too. Since the All-Star break, the Magic have a 107.7 offensive rating. That is... Still better than their season average. So the offense is still okay. But it's okay. It's a bottom 10 offense since the All-Star break. And that includes some clunkers. 96.9 points per 100 possessions against the Cavaliers, a game where the Magic struggled to deal with Cleveland switching, tried to force-feed the ball too much to, to Vucevic, although I think that was a good move. Couldn't move the ball effectively, couldn't get to the line, couldn't get into the paint, and just generally had a bad offensive performance. Just a lax offensive performance. Against the New York Knicks, the Magic scored only 104 points per 100 possessions. 
And as if to prove this point that defense is really what matters, the Magic scored only 99 points per 100 possessions against the Warriors and still beat them. Orlando can win if their offense is struggling. If their defense plays well, which it did against Golden State. And that's at the heart of the frustration at the moment. That's at the heart of the Magic's inconsistency. The offense has come back down to earth a little bit. The Magic are not making shots like crazy. They're not blowing teams out. Guys are starting to have rough nights, especially Terrence Ross. Nikola Vucevic had his first really rough night of the season on Tuesday against Philadelphia. It's not completely true. He had struggled a little bit against Golden State as well, but The Magic know their margin for error is small. That they have to do things in certain ways to give themselves a chance to win. I think it's bigger. I think the margin for error is bigger than we initially thought. I think the Magic have reached a confidence level and a comfort level with their stuff that they don't have to be on all the time. The Philadelphia game, I think, proved that, unfortunately. Because I, mean, I didn't think Philadelphia played particularly well, but. Orlando played defense for about a quarter and a half and still had a very real chance to win that game. It's a good Philadelphia team, even without Embiid. But the Magic can't leave these up to chance. If they really want to win, if they want to win in the playoffs, they need to bring the right approach and intensity every single night. And that inconsistency as why the Magic are now on the outside looking in instead of controlling their own destiny. That inconsistency is why the Magic have to fight to make up ground now. It's not impossible. They can, and I highly expect them to do it. I don't think this. I don't think we're done with this yet. It's only a game. But the Magic's focus and intention are about to get tested in a major way. Over the next seven games, the Magic will play, or over the next eight games, I believe, the Magic will play six at home. Of those eight games, only one is against a team with a winning record, and that's a March 25th battle with the Philadelphia 76ers. That's right. Orlando is going to play a murderer's row of teams below 500. Teams the Magic should feel they can beat. And I know the Magic are also below 500. But these are teams that are their equals at best and teams they should beat at worst. Dallas is coming off a loss to the Wizards and is one of the worst road teams in the league. They come to the Amway Center Friday. Then they go to Memphis, playing without Jaron Jackson Jr. Mike Conley is playing very well and they're a very scrappy team, but that's a team the Magic should feel they can beat. They go from Memphis to Washington in, a, in what is a six-point game. Game against a team that's trying to chase down the Magic and make the playoffs themselves. That is, a, that is going to be a big battle for Orlando. Then they start a five-game homestand. They get a second crack at the Cleveland Cavaliers. They get the New Orleans Pelicans. They get the Memphis Grizzlies. They get... I'm trying to think who else comes. They, I think the Atlanta Hawks come during that, during that homestand. And then they get the Philadelphia 76ers once again. 
And that leads into a really difficult road trip that features both Miami and Detroit. So there are real opportunities to gain ground and build a cushion if the Magic bring the approach that they need to bring. They will have time in between these games to practice and sharpen themselves and sharpen their focus. And they need to take advantage of that. Other teams will certainly stumble along the way. There are still ups and downs to come in these final sets of games. But really, it's not going to matter what those teams do. Really, what's going to matter is how the Magic approach these games and whether the Magic can take care of business, whether the Magic can bring the approach that they need to bring to win basketball games. That shouldn't be a question at this point of the season, but unfortunately for this team, it is. And Friday's a big one. We'll talk about it more on tomorrow's episode of Locked on Magic, but Friday is a big game. Just to see if the Magic have reset that battery. Do come out fresh. And do come out with the focus they need to play to, to bring consistency to the next set of games. Will their approach be the same every single night the rest of the way? That's the big question because right now, it simply isn't. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I want to thank you all again for listening to today's episode of Locked On Magic. Of course, find us on Twitter at Locked On Magic and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, and all the fun places you download podcasts to your podcast-enabled listening device. You can find me on Twitter at philiprr underscore omd. And of course, for the latest on the Orlando Magic, be sure to check out orlandomagicdaily.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at omagicdaily. That's going to do it for me today, though. I want to thank you all again for listening to today's episode of Locked On Magic for Orlando Magic Daily and Locked On Magic. This has been Philip Rossenreich. I'll see you all again next time for another episode of Locked On Magic. You are Locked On Magic, your daily Orlando Magic podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.